Hello and welcome to the United Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Okoje, but my friends call me Omo. I'm a doctor, a mom, an entrepreneur, business strategist, transformational coach, and the founder of United Sisters, an organization dedicated to inspiring, empowering ladies whilst challenging the status quo. I am obsessed with helping women find their voice and understand their true potential, purpose and passion, regardless of their creed and culture. This podcast is dedicated to helping you up-level every aspect of your life. Join me for today's episode as we unearth the power that already lies within you. Hello, ladies. This is your girl, Koje Omo here. And I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have our next guest here with us, a dear friend. We've known each other for years. And I just thought I will bring her on because she is crushing it in life. I will want to introduce you to Nana Kaga. Nana Kaga is an engineer by profession born in Nairobi, Kenya. She did her bachelor's degree in University of Birmingham where we met and then she went on for a couple of years to work in an engineering firm and then she then decided to chase her career went to the acting world in Hollywood oh my god so Nana appeared in a number of Hollywood films TV commercials videos under the stage name Nana Hill so you can go and check her out um, she also um, produced um, a number of movies and starred in Star Trek which is great and also a good day to be black and sexy that's another movie she starred in And then following that, she also starred in quite a lot of um, shows in Africa. She's actually done USA TV commercial for Pepsi, Budweiser, KFC, Microsoft, Apple. Wow. (laughs) While still working as an engineer, I must add, very hardworking. Nana also created and scripted cast and produced a hugely successful Ugandan television series called Beneath the Lies, which aired on urban television. Um, Under her, she's actually gone to um, start a production company called Savannah Moon. Nana creates scripts, casts and produces several productions, including Reflection on a TV series, Mala, a web series. He said, she said, a talk show and the Woman's Journal, a daily segment and aimed at inspiring women and girls. She never sits still, my God. Nana is actually a (laughs) motivational speaker and she aims to inspire youths to live a life less ordinary and strive to reach for things they have been conditioned to believe were beyond their capability. Nana is a mom of three amazing, beautiful children. She's a sister. She's a daughter. She's a dear friend of mine. And above all, she says she's a feminist and a pan-Africanist. Ladies, I want to introduce you to a darling of all darlings, Nana Kaga. Nana, welcome to the United Sisters podcast. 
Thank you so much, Omo. It's fantastic to just see you. I, I know I say that earlier, but I'm listening to you talk about me and I'm like, wait, my goodness, don't <laughs> It's you, girl. It's you all the way from University of Birmingham and to see you just blossom and you do so much. Could you just share a little bit about how your journey started? Should I go back to when we first met? No. Okay. (laughs) No, don't (laughs) say this. I don't think we have time for that. Um, (laughs) As as, as a young girl, I've always been, um, I, I loved storytelling in an African setting because I think that Africa in general is so beautiful and our stories are so beautiful. But one thing I did notice was that every story that I was in love with that featured Africa was always about a masculine hero. Um, there was a lot of women in history that meant, was, were meant to have achieved amazing things, but they were struck out of any history in Africa because it would appear to be too controversial if they were celebrated. So as a young girl, I also had a lot of opinions about a lot of things. If you ask my parents, oh, my God, Um, I loved to have a great debate. Um, um, I was when I was younger, um, I was really dark and um, my sisters were lighter. And I, um, I remember growing up and my grandfather uh, was a major influence, by the way, in why I look the way I look, because. There was, my mother's very light skin, my sisters were lighter than I was, and I was this precocious, opinionated little girl, and I had this grandfather who used to tell me, look at this blackness, this black, majestic queen, and I do come from royalty, but growing up, being so dark-skinned in a sort of pseudo-African-Western environment, because the Western values had already encroached on Africa, um, was an experience. So I always knew that in a, in, a, in a society where my physical attributes, especially my skin color, would not be celebrated, that I would have to be extraordinary and unapologetic in everything that I did. Because firstly, um, I'm, I'm not the typical African size of beauty. You know, I am too athletic, too lean. There was a lot that I noticed about myself growing up. So I knew that I had to find my place in life, that I had to um, make my mark on the world my way, because I believe that when you, when we all go home, because at some point we're all here on this planet to just learn and, and learn things. And when we go home, you have to have made an impact. So. Growing up that way, I was always conscious that I would not limit myself because already I knew that I was not the definition of a true African woman, that innately my characteristics were not what I was meant to be. I played football. I ran track. I I literally, I pitted myself against myself a lot because I'm quite competitive against myself. So anyway... Those growing up in that environment and knowing myself uh, sort of shaped the young woman I became. So um, when I was sent to boarding school in the UK, it was even a bigger culture shock because it did matter that I'd visited the UK on numerous occasions on holidays. I had never been exposed to an environment that was so foreign from what I knew at home. I suddenly discovered that I could have an opinion and I wouldn't be told to keep quiet, you know. I discovered that it didn't matter how dark my skin was. Um, I just, I just had to prove that I was worthy to me. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and then 
being in a boarding school in the UK where there were very few black girls, it was an eye opener because you either had people thinking you're extremely exotic, you're extremely gorgeous, you're extremely ugly, or they just didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So in doing in doing that, I, I even became more um, hungry to define myself, to to make no, you know, when you're younger, you want to fit in. And as I made my journey, I realized after it was more after university, um, Omo, and I was expected to get a job and start thinking about getting married, start thinking about having children, and then follow the path that had been mapped out by my family. I didn't even know that there was a map I had to take. I just, <laughs> you know, you feel it. <laughs> you feel you it. And, and, and yeah, and, and everything they wanted for me was everything I didn't want for myself. But because they, I felt I had been loved and given opportunities that a lot of people never got, that I should be grateful and um, not really say that, look, can I just dream a little? Can I see what I can do before I say, okay, I've given up, I'm here, do what you shall with me? Um, so I, uh, off I went to the U.S. at first in rebellion. I went off to the U.S. and I worked on U.S. military contracts for a while. And I met this amazing man who was American. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> God rest his, <laughs> God rest his soul. And I've never been loved by a single human being the way Chad loved me. And it was an amazing and empowering journey to have a man who had no preconceived notions of what I should be. But the sad part was that we didn't fit. And I tried because he loved me so much. I tried. I, um, I tried. I tried to kill the parts of myself that were hungry for the extraordinary. I tried to believe in the mundane. I tried not to soar above him. I tried not to eclipse him. I tried not to talk about my achievements as much as his. I tried to be okay with having a child at a very young age. I tried. I tried everything I could to fit in, to love him, to be worthy of him. And we separated after seven years, but the guilt still sits with me because I wasn't an um he wasn't enough for me. It's not the other way around. He wasn't enough. I had dreams that were bigger than what he could give me. And I wanted to do things that explaining them to someone else would be considered irrational. And, you know, I wanted to motivate people. When you say you want to motivate people, you want to experience people, you want to hear their stories, you want to live, if you want to understand you want to be an ordinary person who does an extraordinary job that creates content that allows people to dream, to believe in love, to recover from wars, scars, experiences. Um, you are considered, um, for want of a better word, why would you want to do that when you mm. could possibly just be taken care of, 
Uh, all you have to do, and I hear that a lot, all you have to do is be submissive. All you have to do is understand what's at stake. All you have to do is fit in, you know? And um, I realized that I was dying. I was dying. How, what do get... you mean by that? What did you feel within yourself? When, you, when someone's dying, is that life loses color. Every day is you second-guessing yourself from the way you, you pick up the cup of tea to the way you make the dish to the way your sudden happiness depends on someone being pleased with you, where you don't have a sense of self anymore, where, you know, you constantly, your life is about nothing, really. When someone asks you how was your day and you can't say, do you know what I did today? Today I wrote in my book and I say to myself, today is the day you change. You don't even have those anymore because life and, and, and humanity have robbed you of that. So how were you able to continue with your careers during this period where you were experiencing those loss of self, a lot of, as you said, dying to yourself how were you able to still move on with your career? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a strange one. I make a great <laughs> scientist. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, I'm a great scientist and I'm a great artist. And those two are conflicting, especially in a, um, a creative versus scientific. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but the constant companion there is depression, you know? That's your constant beast. And you can't let people know that you're depressed. So what do you do? You choose something like your career and you keep going day after day. You keep getting a check and you keep saying, as long as I can make enough to live on, I can be labeled engineer Nanakag, I'm doing something right. You suppress everything in you that's telling you to fight, to flee, to believe, to breathe. You, you, you crush it. You say to yourself, how will they see it? How can I disappoint them? You know, I am, I even, you know, it's funny because in relationships and marriages in, in, in our society, we, we are told that you're lucky he chose you. And I always wanted to say to someone, shouldn't he be lucky I chose him? Exactly. Your whole self-worth is wrapped around the ideology of marriage or a man wants you. I mean, for me, that's, I find it so, you know, after uni, the next stop is marriage and children. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you it. should not waste, you should not waste that money or that education on actually making an impact in the world. You need to go off and add to the world's population and start to redefine yourself as a mother and a wife. And you know, a lot of people are looked down upon when they say, why can't I be both? Why can't I be everything? And I, 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 you know, I got to, the turning point is, I got to about 40, no, about four, five years ago. Let me tell you the turning point. And it didn't happen overnight. Things were building up. I, I could, I was getting, I was starting to get panic attack, anxiety attack. I would wake up, 
I don't know if anyone ever gets that feeling of in between sleep and wakefulness and you're just trying to fight. You feel like you're going under, you're fighting. Those episodes are coming more and more often. You know, more and more often, it's normally your subconscious telling you like, please, please fight to save us, me and you, the people we were meant to be. So it, it got to a point where I was in self-destruct mode. Not in a bad way, but I would avoid conversations that were, you know, that could possibly incite an argument. I had given up my joy of debate. I had sort of uh, packaged myself to suit my partner, you know. If he said, you know, that lipstick you're wearing is too red, God, my day would be ruined. Imagine that, this me, Nana, who had a sense of identity, could be crushed with one comment about lipstick. At the time, I just had my third child. I had weight, baby weight. At the time, he was, what, six months. And normally when I have kids, like you've said this, normally for me when I have kids, I go straight back to what I used to. And suddenly, I couldn't lose it. I could not lose this weight. I could not. Be a mother to him. I was realizing that more and more I was abdicating my role as a mother because I couldn't let them see how bad inside I was, how shattered I was, how broken I was. So I didn't want my children to even get a glimpse of that. So it literally happened uh, about five years ago. I remember I woke up. And I was at home and I just decided I had to go. It's, it's a weird um, thing. And the only thing I wanted were my children. Everything else could stay. I didn't want any part of it. And I remember being absolutely scared. I, oh, it was it was either I had to fight the fear and go into the unknown or stay and die. When you have two choices like that, you just, you have to remember the girl you were. You have to remember that young woman, the one who used to tell themselves they were that queen. Like the one who used to get ready for a girl's night out with your girls and you walk <laughs> Don't say and it. You know, you were, you were omnipotent. You were a lioness. Almost. So I said to myself, you know, the worst thing that can happen is I can go home to my mother. And I can say to my mother, I cannot do this anymore. I need <laughs> a place to stay. And I went home. And the funny thing is my mom looked at me and said, okay, let them make the beds down upstairs for you and the kids. And really that was about it in a nutshell and I remember the first few weeks I left my partner the guilt the feeling that I had disappointed everyone the feeling that I had shortchanged my kids the fact that I knew now I had to be the strongest emotionally and mentally that I'd ever been otherwise if I couldn't get over this then everything I had done did not have a purpose. So I decided, first things first, you're going to laugh. I quit my engineering job. As fantastic wow. as I was at it, I knew that I could no longer do eight to five 
and give my children the care they needed emotionally because they were going through this whole thing. But I had something that I'd always loved to do, and that was like film and media and my love of all things vintage for my hair, you can tell. I love, I love vintage clothes. So <laughs> I say to myself, okay, so I've got a bit of savings. What do I do with it? And I knew, first of all, I needed to give my children a home. So I built a house using up all my savings. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. But they, they needed to have that security that if anything happens to me, they would not be homeless. And with my family, of course, they wouldn't. But they would have something tangible, an asset. Then during all this time, I am literally second-guessing every footstep I'm taking because everybody had an opinion on what I had done, you know? Everybody, from my relatives to my long-lost friends, some I hadn't spoken to in years, as soon as I would say I was separated, hmm, 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 typical, typical nana. You couldn't hang in there. All of us, marriage is not about happiness. I was like, then what is the whole point in life? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm like, so this person didn't see any value in me. And you want me to stay there and prove what? For 20, what? 30, yeah. And prove what? Because, you know, when you first get with someone, that's the time they should love you the most. Because you are new, you're like a shiny diamond. You're yes. A, an onion to be peeled back and found, you know. But anyway, so I did that. I, I, I built this house and I, I set up a small shop. And everyone was wondering how crazy I was because I'd gone from this very high paying job and I had decided to invest in this house and I was running a vintage store and writing scripts and raising my kids. Almost, I would wake up at 5 a.m., play with my kids, make them breakfast, get them to school, go back to sleep from 7 to 9, head to the office, open up a store, start scripting, shooting shows through the day at 6, head home, make sure I put my kids to bed and they had dinner, go back to the office and work from about 10 p.m. to about 3 a.m. Simply because I knew that this time I couldn't, I couldn't lose. I, I couldn't. But the beauty of it, as exhausting as that sounds, I was doing it on my terms. I was me again. I was fierce. I, if I didn't make a sale, I still looked around my shop and realized, my God, Nana, you're doing something you love. How many people get to be themselves once again at 40? How many people can actually say to themselves today, I am damaged, but every piece and every scar that I have has meaning. And I am just getting started. God isn't finished with me yet. You know, I just, my, my story is just on page one. And you know how empowering that is? And I fall, or, or more, I fall. I, I get times where it's hard, it's difficult. I have days where I simply shut down because it can be overwhelming to be a single mother with three children running a household. And as much as family chips in, you're still the primary caregiver. You can't afford to be sick. You can't afford to show cracks. You can't afford well, to Well, Nana, say, you look great, though. You are ah! stunning. 
but the first this question... is what I do. I take time for me. I take. Do you know what's so funny? Um, I, the other thing I did, and it was very, very simple. At forty, I realized, you know, as women, we we pursue beauty, uh, especially physical beauty, in expensive ways. Being young forever, it cannot be found in a jar. It cannot be found in a gym. Being young forever is like, it can't, no. Um, I found one thing that was very interesting. If you choose to do exercise you love, we all have something we love. I like boxing. I like punching things almost. Put a punching bag in front of me and I'm on it. But by the time I'm done in 30 minutes, I don't feel like it's exercise because then I'm just purging my demons. Some people like to walk, like my mother takes long walks. She knows for an hour and a half, this is for me. And it's not about weight. It's about me walking through, in my head, I'm taking a journey. I can hear silence. I can feel the sun on my skin. I, he, I see people. I'm living. My other sister loves to swim in water. She's She literally immerses herself in there. I think where we've gone wrong is follow exercises or physical lifestyles that have been peddled as successful. And yet really in life, the best way to achieve the best sense of self is to do an exercise that's not an exercise in your head. It's me time. Mm, It's me time. When I'm punching that that bag, you know, it's just me and that bag. And, you know, you remember me when I was younger. I just love that aggression. I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, what it does for me, I remember all the feelings I have about moments in time and I must work them out. We need to learn as women to not hold on to these negative feelings. So when you feel it, you must let it go as soon as possible. I am not saying don't feel. I am saying feel it, acknowledge it, find a way to purge your system and literally after doing all that take a bath i've discovered this organic skincare line that my sister my uh, my sister's friend does and i've walked away from the l'oreal's no offense but i feel like in 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 us buying some expensive skincare lines it just serves a sense of psychological um um satisfaction instead of actually seeing results so i've gone the more the nature's way route uh Food-wise, eat healthy. Uh, Whatever you put on your skin, figure it out. If you wouldn't eat it, don't put it on yourself. (laughs) I tell people that. I like you. It's being absorbed into your skin. So I use a lot of, to be honest, there's a coffee serum. My friend does, oh, Omar, this is bliss. It's the best anti-aging I've ever used. From coffee beans, she squeezes out the oil and that concentrated oil is phenomenal. Then I use cow ghee, which is the cheapest thing you can really get for your body and put in a little shea butter so the smell doesn't smell like awful. But I mean, it's about realizing that who we are innately is the very simple, we're very simple being as much as women were being touted to be complex. And that's another thing that I find offensive when people say, oh God, women are so complex. No, we're not. Some, you know, I, we're not complex. We just want you to appreciate us, um, love us. By the way, when someone loves you wholeheartedly, 
you're like a beast. You're like a lioness. You will take on the world for them, you know? And women, we, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, um, this person cheated or that person. And I always say, you know, by the time a woman says I'm done, it's not because they don't love you. It's because at certain, at a certain time she's done. She's, I don't know how to explain it, but for me, on that day when I went, point. yeah, when I went back to my parents, knowing full well I would be a disappointment, and I had to look at myself in the mirror every day and realize that yes, I'd given it a stab. I had, but all I had left was about one percent of who Nana used to be, and I had to preserve that. And um, it's not, it's not easy. Don't get it wrong. It doesn't take a year. It doesn't take two years, 10 years down the line. You'll probably still be looking back, thinking what could you have done differently, you know? And I don't know why, as women, we we take the blame for the entire world. No, we take the burdens for the entire world. Even knowing full well your partner was responsible to certain degrees, we find ways where we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough and we didn't um, make them feel needed enough and we didn't love them enough. And, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't so intelligent and if I wasn't so opinionated and if I wasn't so pretty and maybe if I didn't have too many friends and if I didn't have, you know, there's, we, there's nothing we will not stop at to justify why we don't work in certain places or in certain relationships. But I've realized that we shouldn't give up on love, you know, really. I agree. I think for me, there was a saying that I just um, heard recently. He said successful people associate with their success, whereas unsuccessful people dissociate with their su- success and associate with their failures. And I think almost in many ways, as you're talking about cultural in many ways, we're taught to associate with what they deem as failures, right? And that makes us really, honestly, not thrive. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's almost a cultural conditioning. <laughs> oh, the, oh my God. Do you know what's so funny? Do you remember ever like coming up and, you know, you are invited to every wedding so that they can show you the achievement your sister has done, your cousin has done, <laughs> your friend has done. So you spend the entire time um, feeling half a woman, a quarter of a woman. And <laughs> then people always ask the other thing is, um, uh, when are you, <laughs> are you married? I know. Oh, the first time, the first time I had to say no. Do you know, I wanted to say the N, but my tongue couldn't rise. (laughs) Oh, my God. But the thing is that you've made your life successful, though. It's a very, very, you have to now, in order to be successful, post uh, any sort of trauma is to believe in your success, like you said. Own it. And every little milestone you achieve, just celebrate it in your head with a little dance. If today you didn't get, you didn't cry at all about anything because you've been crying for the last year, that day is phenomenal. If your kids have been going through a bit of stress from the separation and they come and give you a hug out of the blue because they think mommy needs it, 
that is phenomenal. I have learned that we want to celebrate the major successes. Like we want the, the same way we want to be celebrated for achieving marriage, giving birth, is now the same way when we go the other end, you want to be celebrated for having been, like now you're rising and you're exo, whoever didn't believe in you can sit. I don't believe in that. I believe, you know, today Nana was that queen. I don't care if you saw me or you did see me. When I walk into my house or into my office and I know I had a great day, I might not have achieved everything, it's me. I don't want Omo to, to, to appreciate me. I don't want Omo to celebrate me. I'm going to do it with or without the world's permission. And that's the one thing that we really should focus on. It is so important that we literally, because even culturally, do you know, we're, we're told not to over-celebrate ourselves. Apparently the world doesn't yes, want yes. you that's arrogant. feeling great about yourself. You'd be considered vain and narcissist. And I, I, Arrogant exactly, and but boastful. To, you must you know, boast about yourself. To a certain level, one, <laughs> one can only say, you know what? Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. And, and there is no set way to do it or more. There is no formula that should be given to anyone because all our journeys are personal. But the underlying factor is is that when you make a decision to do something, take it a day at a time, especially anything that's life-changing. A day at a time is good enough. And even don't be too hard on yourself. There is no roadmap for life. And that is what we're told when we're growing up. You have to have bought a car. You have to have bought a house. You have to have had kids. There is no roadmap. We're all not built the same. Otherwise, we'd all be named the same name and live in the same neighborhoods. And, you know, we're not the same. And I think when we start to try and project what we want other people to be for us is where the problem comes in. And when we take that on and we also wear it because someone wants me to be this, so I can't let them know I'm that. So technically, we're all wearing masks too scared to be ourselves in case we're rejected and you know half the time rejection shows you what you really mean to someone those that consider you valuable will not walk away but if you take your mask off for someone and they start saying but what if you did do this and what if you could change this can you do this don't do that straight away yeah let them go it's and some of us cling on for years. No, I was I was actually going to say that it's so funny because in our cultures, you know, even being dismissed in a relationship and they call them side chicks coming in, we are told that you don't leave. You stay. Yes. I've always been fascinated by that because let me tell you, um, nothing's more damaging to a woman when we give of ourselves, our spirits, our hearts, and our bodies. For a man to then say, you're not enough. You're not enough. Someone younger, supposedly more vibrant, more willing to do things for them. And you've spent all this time 
crafting yourself into who they believe, who you believe they wanted you to be. And then insults this person who's prepared to disabuse you of your position. I mean, and we have taken to saying, no, 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 don't focus on that, love. You stay at home and cling on to the sham of a marriage. And we're raising our daughters believing that that is okay, that them not being enough is okay, that, in fact, they should expect it. So what did you feel when you, you kind of almost took charge of who you were? How did you, how did you deal with the people who were like saying, hmm, what does she feel she's like? I mean, she's got her three kids and she's trying to do this um, production. Who is she? What do you, how did you feel and what did you do to shut out the noise? What did I do? I broke apart in a million pieces and put myself back together again every morning for about a year. I lost family and I lost friends. Hmm. What did that look like? Were you, every morning you do what? Every morning I would get up and I would have to tell myself that whatever happened after this, that it was meant to be good or bad, that I, that I was strong enough, different enough, extraordinary enough, and fierce enough to accomplish whatever I set out to be. But it was carnage. It was chaos. It was, um, it was also, I made a few wrong decisions like most people do. That if I look back on them now, I think, what was I thinking? <laughs> but in that crisis moment... You, but you were doing the best yeah. you could. And um, what it did for me, though, now, and now emotionally, I'm not 100%. But what I am is a believer in Nana. I have had to be a believer in me. Um, like I said, I also have a phenomenal mom who's just like absolutely like she's a warrior. I look at her and I look at her doing her at, at 60 or something. And then I realize I come from her. You know, that woman's my mother. And I get up again and. Almost, there is no, I don't even think I have words to describe what I went through every day for at least two years. It's a healing process. Just when you think you've gotten there, something happens. And they're like regular clockwork incidents that, you know, and especially where kids are involved, the other person then keeps re entering your life. And the feelings you have keep even when you think you've purged life has a way of um reminding you in that instance what is at stake and in a way them keeping reappearing for me helped me reinforce why i did it maybe if they had gone away 
And, you know, my mind had given my, you know, you know, the mind has a way of cleaning. It's, it's like after childbirth, you don't remember the pain. I keep thinking maybe that was what yes. if this person had gone away and completely gone away and reappeared again. Maybe I would have, you know, fooled myself to see if, you know, there was still something there. But it's a constant battle to keep a balance, to not appear bitter, to not appear cynical, to sometimes give way. To accept certain situations you never really stand for, but it's also a test of character. And every time you come up on top, like I said, celebrate yourself. It teaches you, teaches you, hmm. teaches you to not put up with nonsense either, my girl. Oh, there are certain days where I'm like, no, not mm. today, love, not this month, not this week, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm a winner. You know yes. when you're like, oh, oh, here we yes. go. I know this pattern is going to start like this and it's going to go that way. And I'm going to end up being made to feel like crap. So it's it's an interesting way. But like, I want to tell you and I want to tell all women, first things first, find some me time to do those things that we used to do for ourselves. Painting your nails, even if it's a clear varnish, yes. my God, you know, the things, the feeling those little things do. Give yourself permission to stay in bed when you, you really, if you can arrange for me, like I've got three kids, if I can arrange for someone else to be with the kids for a little bit, um, yeah, then by all means, I'm going to check out mentally. Give yourself permission to check out if you can. You know, don't be superwoman. No, no, you, this is one of the things that I constantly talk about. You must, we've always been taught to put ourselves at the back burner, but for our children to thrive and for us as yeah. a human being to thrive, we must prioritize ourselves. And it's a clear example. Your life is a clear testimony because you've gone on to produce some amazing work. And you're going to continue to flourish in spite of your situation. And I'm really, really proud um, to call you my friend. And I'm proud of all that you've achieved. But thank you so much, Nana. I mean, we, me and you can continue go on for hours. But it's clear that you've weathered so many storms. And it's still a process for you. But thank you for, so much for sharing your heart and your journey. Thank you, Omar. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you've loved what you've heard, which I'm sure you have, then please go ahead and share the love, leave a review and subscribe. I would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas, your aha moments and your breakthroughs. You can connect with me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook by searching for Dr. Okoje Omo Okunkwo. You can find my details on the show notes. I'd love to add you to our Facebook United Sisters group where you'll get a daily dose of inspirational thoughts and insights. I can't wait to connect with you on our next episode. But until then, go out there, be bold, be beautiful and just be you.